Hello, and thank you for joining me for the first episode of The Awkward Podcast, Stories of Growing Up Queer. When I first decided to do this podcast, I never knew how difficult it would be to find someone to share their story. But luckily for me, my patience did pay off, and I was fortunate enough to meet today's guest. Samuel Howard, uh, 43, and I, I'm not quite sure what you would call my uh, my sexual orientation. It's a little bit of everything, I guess. I'm not quite sure what they call that now. Samuel's most likely looking for the term pansexual, or being attracted to any person of any gender, non-gender, or sexual orientation. Although him and I both agreed that putting a label on his story wasn't a necessary detail. Much like many non-heteronormative people, as a child Samuel could tell that he was different. His father, being a contractor with the nuclear power industry, resulted in Samuel being homeschooled throughout part of his childhood. And since his father's job also required moving throughout the U.S. often, socialization for Samuel as a child had its ups and downs. There were advantages and disadvantages. Um, The advantages were that we always got to see something different. Um, And we would, when the few times we were in a city or in the suburbs, mainly suburbs, um, we got to meet a lot of different people. And so once we got old enough to be on our own, it was easy for us to interact with just about anyone because we we knew that everyone was different kind of thing. Um, The other advantages were because we were homeschooled, at at that time, homeschooling was still kind of, a lot of states didn't like it. So we typically lived in the country, and my mom would teach us, um, and she was genius-level intellect so if anyone was the good per- a good person to teach it would be her the disadvantage um moving around all the time nothing was permanent and we knew this we when we moved someplace all of us knew that we'd eventually be moving so it was hard to make friends when samuel finally did go to school he found himself finding the boys attractive instead of the girls But being a child born in the 70s and growing up in a home that would not even allow a television, Samuel could never really seem to find any information about what it was that made him different. I I don't remember any discussion. I don't remember any kind of discussion about it. Um, But I do remember not being sure what was going on. Um, And like I I was saying, it never occurred to my parents to teach this. uh, So they never mentioned it, never brought it up. Although his parents never discussed different sexual orientations, Samuel's parents believed in letting their children grow into whatever they wanted to be, which meant that Samuel was never forced into any sort of attempt at becoming more masculine. Samuel describes himself as willowy, a child who enjoyed spending his time sitting at home and reading, and although his parents were very open and honest about sex and sexuality, discussing anything more than heteronormative behavior never crossed their minds. Eventually, the 70s would fade, and with the 80s came a whole new version of self-discovery for Samuel. His parents divorcing, Samuel found himself moving to California with his mother and two sisters, an event that proved to be the catalyst for everything to come. It really wasn't until California that I actually understood what it was. So, And that was mainly because we had to start going to school, and I started hearing what other kids said. It wasn't just the school children that would open Samuel's eyes, as the world was evolving rapidly, and Samuel's new home would end up housing their first computer. It was so bloody difficult to use. 
uh, and so slow. Um, but yeah, it was it was the first computer, and that really was kind of the first time I had been I had expanded my awareness of the world. So back then, what we would call chat rooms now was called the BBS or bulletin board systems, which required calling the BBS, connecting to the server and then being able to communicate with a community of people. In order to access the BBS, you would need a number, which made it invitation-only by default. His mother, accessing the number for a local community, opened up the door to Samuel's first encounter with what the term sexual orientation meant. So it was very basic, no pictures, it was just text. Just text. And of course, everything was green lettering on a black background. Although seemingly basic, the BBS would also allow a user to fill out a profile. With sexual orientations, there were three choices. Gay, straight, or bisexual. Out of confusion, Samuel chose bisexual, and then he was online. It was through the BBS that Samuel would meet Peter. I'm fairly certain he probably said something um, about homosexuality, or I asked him about it because I didn't know very much about it. And that's when I, that's when we started talking and I figured, oh my God, this is me, you know, that you're describing me. And, uh, and so we started talking about it and that's, he kind of helped me along uh, to figure out uh, what was going on. So uh, I don't know, I don't remember the specific, but he did, eventually we did converse and he did tell me, so. Samuel would eventually go on to meet Peter in real life and Peter's friends who were all close to Peter's age. Samuel was 14. Peter was 60. I know what you're thinking. We grew up in a world full of stay off the internet, stranger danger, don't talk to strangers, and definitely don't meet them. Those dangers were definitely around during Samuel's childhood. But he stresses the fact that at no point did he feel threatened or fearful around these people. They existed simply to help younger kids such as himself understand what was going on. And since an actual therapist may turn a child away or even suggest conversion therapy, the older men were a valuable asset to the gay community. A lot of times the boogeyman that parents would tell their kids were, uh, sometimes was, you know, that gay man, uh, he, you know, may prey on you kind of thing. Um, and so they were totally not like that at all, Peter and his friends. And uh, it, they were kind of, they were mentors. They were, and they were very sympathetic to... Uh, me specifically, I don't know about anyone else, but uh, they were very helpful in that regard, helping me understand what was going on. It was during Samuel's time with Peter and his friends that he would discover gay rights movements like ACT UP and PFLAG. It was also here that Samuel would see the response to Ryan White, a 13-year-old who was diagnosed with AIDS after a blood transfusion. Samuel was around 16 years old when he would see the kind of hatred and discrimination non-heteronormative people could face. It, like I said, was terrifying to see these people being so hateful and so angry. And, and you know, with the Ryan White, I saw they showed pictures, clips of, like, some of the parent-teacher conferences. And they had these parents. Um, and, of course, back then, nobody knew anything about HIV. Nobody knew anything. And it was very, very, lots of conjecture and lots of rumor and et cetera. And, I mean, these parents are screaming at the school officials saying, I don't want my daughter around this person. Uh, and so it was, 
It was very, I was very afraid. Although fearful, Samuel felt that he finally knew the definition of what it was that he felt all those years and started coming out as homosexual. His friends would accept him openly, while it seemed to be a non-issue for his mother. Stories of children being kicked from their homes or disowned made Samuel fearful to tell his father, but he told him anyway. I called him and started talking to him, and I said, Dad, I've got this thing i got to tell you. I'm gay. And my dad was very quiet, <laughs> was extremely quiet, which I and I started crying because I, was, I, was, I thought, this is it. My dad's just totally going to disown me because we had heard stories, and I'd met kids who had been disowned and kicked out of the house and so on. And my dad said, well, I don't understand, but you are my son. I love you, and nothing will ever change that. And he has always maintained that. He's met some of my exes, and he has treated them like family. He has never gone back from that. Samuel, finally feeling as though he could live as the person he was meant to be, started to notice things getting better for him in California. So much so that when his mother decided to send him and his sisters to live with his father in the state of Texas, he decided to tell people right away. A mistake, he says, made him the town pariah. I kind of had this Pollyanna kind of thought process, thinking, oh, Texas will be the same. Um, and that was completely and totally incorrect. Samuel was eventually able to make it to the city of Houston. And from there, he was finally able to live a calm life as the person he truly is. Samuel says that as time went on, he found himself amazed by shows like Will and Grace and would feel a bit of a thrill seeing same-sex couples holding hands while in public, an act that is still difficult for him to do even now. Samuel also mentions that with all of the advancements that we have seen today, it's still important to remember gay rights movements like the Pink Triangle and Silence Equals Death because they're still important and relevant. This prompted me to ask Samuel a question. After all he's seen, all that he's witnessed, and all that he's discovered about himself, what is the definition of the person that he strives to be today? I just strive to be a good human being. Um, you know, I mean, if, if I'm talking to someone and they react negatively to homosexuality, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I'm sorry you feel that way, but... Um, you know, there's nothing I can do to change that, but I'm, I'm not going to sit there and scream at them. I'm not going to be disrespectful. Um, and so, yeah, just try to be a good human being um, because that's like what we all should be, I think. I'd like to thank you all for listening to this first episode of The Awkward Podcast, and I'd also like to send a huge thank you to Samuel for sharing his story with me and allowing me to share it with others. Quick reminder for anyone who's feeling curious about things or not quite sure where they fit in, please seek out resources like the Trevor Project or the Hopeline. They're there for you. They can help you. I promise you. Um, if you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe. We're on iTunes Podcast now. We're on Google Play, and we will be on SoundCloud. If you have a story you'd like to share, and I'm begging you and urging you, please send in your stories. Your voice matters. Email me at awkwardpodcast. That's A-W-Q-W-A-R-D podcast at gmail.com. Find us at Twitter, on Facebook, and let's work towards opening up the conversation. Thanks again.